the expectation is you should be following what the algorithm has proven it likes, that means using this song or this video format or having these keywords in your caption and these hashtags posting at this time, making sure you have content variation, but also follow a specific niche. Like, I sort of appreciate how you can break down going viral into these scientific steps, but it also just takes the fun out of everything, in my opinion. Hey everyone, welcome back. I hope you're all having an amazing week. Today, we are going to be talking about something I have really mixed feelings about, and that is influencer culture. We're also going to be talking about the fatigue that comes with being on social media in today's age of influencer culture. I'm going to be talking mostly about Instagram and TikTok, because those are the platforms that I'm on the most. And if you have been on those platforms lately, you may have noticed that the creator economy, so to speak, is really booming. For example, Instagram and TikTok both have sort of like creator hubs. I'm sorry, I'm gonna be saying the word creator and the phrase content creation probably a lot today, just a fair warning. Um, Instagram and TikTok, they have these creator hubs for aspiring content creators. Instagram has a whole thing where it's like teaching you how to make your reels do well and make money off of the views you get. TikTok has whatever like creator center, creator tools. You can make a little bit of money as well. Nowadays, you can go viral from your bedroom and you don't really need to have a special talent. You don't need industry connections. You don't need fancy equipment like a camera and microphone. And in some cases, you don't even need to talk or show your face. And with the opportunity to build a following online comes the opportunity to make money. Sometimes lots of money. Most of the money I think is made from brand deals and sponsorships, if I'm not mistaken. On the surface, it sounds absolutely amazing. Like you can just be, you know, just another person, another student or an adult in their nine to five one day and then overnight become a sensation online and start making profit and making a living off of that. I know that it can also come with some negatives because Social media really can impact your mental health. We all know that. And no job or opportunity is really ever as good as it seems. So let's discuss. First, I kind of want to discuss the evolution of influencer culture because ever since we've had media platforms like YouTube, we've had public figures online but I feel like influencers are a more recent thing. I remember back in the earlier 2000s, like we're talking 2010 through 2014 maybe, YouTube was much bigger in my life than any other social media. I mean, obviously at that point I was not even 13 yet, so I was technically underage to have profiles on like Facebook or Instagram, even though I did get an Instagram when I was 11, I think. Um, that's another story. I remember going home and being excited to watch my favorite YouTubers. 
I really liked Wasabi Productions. If you all remember Alex and Roy, I remember my favorite video of theirs was a music video parody of Call Me Maybe. I thought it was so funny and it's honestly pretty iconic. Um, who else? Um, Lily Singh or Superwoman, she would make really funny skits. Miranda Sings, okay, I was I was a Miranda Sings stan. Glozell, oh my gosh, I love Glozell. My Life is Ava, just like classic YouTubers from back then. I actually did not watch Bethany Moda, even though I know that she was also extremely popular and like the blueprint. So I definitely appreciate her too. And I just overall really miss the way YouTube content was back then. It was usually very authentic and not heavily edited with filters and fancy effects. The sound and video quality wasn't always great, but that didn't really matter to people back then. It was all about originality. Parodies and skits, I think, were really popular content types. And videos, you know, they were a solid length. They were averaging maybe between 4 and 15 minutes long. You know, it's something that you can sit down, open your computer and experience. And it's also it's also like a treat because unlike on TikTok and Instagram nowadays where the expectation is for creators if they want to stay relevant to post consistently, meaning like if not multiple times a day, then at least every day or every other day because you're making this bite-sized content and it's technically less time-consuming and easier, so you should be posting more often. And so it kind of, like I said, feels like an expectation every day to get something new versus these YouTubers back then, they'd be posting maybe once or twice a week and it would be a longer video and a real experience that you can enjoy. And I think most importantly, YouTubers were not thinking about making money as their end goal when they joined the platform. I wanna say that most of these OGs really got on YouTube because they enjoyed making videos and it was a fun little thing. I'm not saying we don't have those types of creators today, but later I'm gonna be talking more about how it really feels like a lot of people are joining in on content creation just because they think it's an easy way to make money. And to be very clear, I am not here to judge anyone for doing that because I would be lying if I said I wouldn't do the same exact thing if someone told me, hey, if you start making content, we'll guarantee you make money. Like if someone said that to me, sign me up. Give me the sign up sheet, give me a pen, I'll put my name down, you know? So this is a judgment free zone, but it's worth noting Back then, I really don't think people thought about the money as much because in earlier days, these OG YouTubers were the trailblazers. I'm sure they eventually did make money and that became proof for other YouTubers that, oh wow, making videos can actually lead to some financial gains. But the OGs didn't have those people to turn to and be like, this is the example I can follow. So naturally then, content began to evolve once it became clear that you could build this massive following on platforms like YouTube and you could turn it into a business. 
I would say from like 2016 to 2017 onwards, I noticed vlogging became a lot more popular. You know, that type of lifestyle content and being relatable and showing an average day in your life, that was more popular than the kind of cheesy little skits that people liked in the earlier 2000s. And I would say this is also when what you looked like started to play a lot more of an influence on how popular you got. I think naturally because other social medias like Instagram were booming during this time and starting to create a culture of this is the beauty standard, this is what you should look like, you should put filters on your photos, you should only show your best, most beautiful self. You would see that also reflected on YouTube where when you have so many people competing for views and popularity, doing very similar types of content, the tiebreaker between things when all else is equal might be your attractiveness and your beauty. I'm thinking about the Dolan twins, right? The internet loved the Dolan twins and I think a lot of people, you know, initially were interested in their content simply because they found the twins attractive. I'm not trying to reduce their success or invalidate, but if you also look at the way they marketed themselves, I mean, they they knew who their audience was. It was teenage girls who thought they were really attractive. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you got to play into your strengths and do what you know is going to help your your channel grow. And we also had MagCon. What a throwback. A popular boy group on Vine. And actually, that's where Sean Mendez had his origins. He kind of got discovered as a singing talent through MagCon. And they would literally go on tour and people would be crushing over them so hard. It's like, what would they do on tour? I genuinely don't know. They kind of just made vines and then got really popular. And so you see again, these people making an entire living off of their content creation. And I really do think if you take a look at all the popular or at least most of the popular creators from that time and now you will find one common thread, which is that they are all conventionally attractive. It's not like it's impossible to do well if you don't fit into that category, but let's be real, you probably have to work harder or be funnier or tailor your content to be more of like the goofy, relatable side character instead of the main character. So I would say 2017 and 2018 is when content creation really took off and influencer culture really, really began. I'm assuming most people listening here know who Emma Chamberlain is. If not, she is a YouTuber, actually originally from the Bay Area, and she was easily one of the most popular lifestyle YouTubers from that era. And today, she's not as active on YouTube, but she is a podcast host of a show called Anything Goes and, you know, still popping off in the whole content creation space. She also really changed the way that YouTubers liked to edit their videos and started so many trends, whether it be the editing style or fashion or mannerisms and behavior. But basically, Emma started becoming really famous during this time along with a few other lifestyle YouTubers, 
and she essentially started making enough money to move out of her house at age 17 and have her own place in LA because her career in content creation was really taking off and going to LA, you know, just makes sense for that scenario. And she would go on a bunch of sponsored trips with other creators, basically just to take pictures and make content there. And from then on with that platform, you get more and more brand deals, which pay a lot. This is not me trying to discredit the business moves she's made either, because I really love Emma and I do think just because you have a platform doesn't mean you're guaranteed long-term success. You know, a lot of creators will be relevant for a bit and then fade away, but it really speaks to how content creation can be a very valid job for some people, and in some cases, it can easily replace your 9-to-5, even make you a millionaire, and it could all start from making videos in your bedroom. Another more recent example is obviously Charlie D'Amelio, the TikToker who made 70 million in a single year, according to Forbes. And I'm not surprised because Charlie does brand deals with brands like Dunkin' Donuts, and she was in a Super Bowl commercial. Like, when brands see how many followers you have and that falls into one of their target customer groups, they're willing to pay you the big bucks to advertise for them. And I think they're constantly scouting for the big names on social media now. That's like a standard practice to have your finger on the pulse who's popular on social media and who should you make the next face of your brand. And Charlie was also someone who didn't have a platform before and just went viral on TikTok dancing and everything took off from there. Obviously, I've been talking about some extreme cases of success, like not everyone on TikTok is going to be making 70 million a year, but there's also the concept of a micro-influencer, people who don't have that many followers, maybe between 5 to 20k, which still is a lot in my opinion, but you'd be surprised how doable it is to get that type of following nowadays with some dedication and consistency because think of how many people are on that platform. Sure, some of them might be bots, but I just looked it up and the internet says that TikTok has around 31 million daily active users, so that's a lot of people. And so if you're a micro-influencer, you are also able to secure brand deals with smaller companies who don't maybe have the budget to pay for Charlie, but still understand the value that social media advertising holds today. Social media advertising is really essential. You'll I see so many small businesses with TikTok accounts who follow trends and try to grow their following in that way to get more business and I'm sure it it works. Actually, to that point, I really want to talk about this. So I recently found out about something called user-generated content or UGC for short. And this plays into the micro-influencer role, but takes it a step further because essentially you don't have to even have 5K to 20K followers. You can have 
zero followers. And the idea, it's been around for years, but it didn't start getting big until last year, I'd say, or at least I didn't start hearing about it until last year. It's the idea that you don't need to have a social media following at all, like I mentioned, but you can still make potentially thousands of dollars a month. Now, how do you do that? Well, if you've ever seen an ad on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, and it's sort of like a customer testimonial or a short video that looks like it was taken on an iPhone rather than with professional equipment and editing, that's probably a UGC video. A UGC video is an advertisement made by ideally a real customer, and it's usually going to be like a product demo or a an unboxing, a tutorial, a testimonial, just showing off the product in a more organic and approachable way. No more of that like fancy editing and commercial music. It's very down to earth and you know, you might apply like a TikTok text or a TikTok sound to it. It feels like it feels very relatable. And the idea is that people trust other people and it's been proven that seeing ads that look more organic nowadays results in better engagement than those very impersonal professional ads. So brands big and small are out here paying normal people, by that I mean not actors or influencers, maybe influencers, but you don't have to be one, to make an authentic looking testimonial or product demo video for them, hence the name user-generated content. Now, I say authentic looking because it's sort of ironic that, you know, UGC, it's supposed to be more real, but at the end of the day, it's the exact same logic as hiring and paying an actor to do that video for you. The only difference is that you don't even have to pay for the expenses of producing and shooting the commercial, um, the UGC creator is still getting paid and they usually are not real customers of the product. It's more compelling if they are, but they definitely don't have to be familiar with the product. They can ask to get the product shipped to them for free and they will essentially pretend to be a user of it and make a video. Again, not trying to shame anyone for doing this. Actually, I have been exploring this recently. Um, more on that later. But yeah, since the brand is supposed to post the video on their own socials, that is why the UGC creator themselves don't necessarily need to have any following because they're not posting it on their account. And I think that's the fundamental difference between a UGC creator and an influencer who is paid to post sponsored content on their profile because they have a lot of followers. Yeah, so I started seeing on Twitter and TikTok all of these people saying, I quit my 9 to 5 to become a UGC creator and now I'm making 10 to 40k a month. Most people, you might be like, how are you making that much money? And I was like, what? Most people will charge between 150 to 250 dollars per video and we're talking like a 15 second video or maybe even shorter some people do longer videos but i think the ones that do the best 
perform the best are the shorter videos. And so it's like, that could take you literally three minutes to film a quick little video on TikTok. And so in the beginning, that price, it sounded like a lot to me. But you think about what if that video goes really viral and does really well, because actually sometimes it does. If you go on the TikTok like ad marketplace or something, you will see some of the top performing ads in different product categories. And a lot of those TikTok ads come from UGC creators who have now generated this content for a brand and it has millions of views, which leads to more product sales, I would imagine. And that's the brand's end goal. So if you think about the cost of a traditional professional marketing video and the fact that if the video does well, the brand could be making a lot more money than just $150, it starts to make a little bit more sense. And so I was like, okay, wow, that sounds like a very attractive side hustle to me. Of course, it comes with caveats like everything else. The most important thing I think for me was you need to spend so much time on social media and keep up with the trends and stuff. Also, it takes some time to sort of develop your UGC profile. Basically, everyone will make a UGC portfolio on Canva, which is like a portfolio just demonstrating some videos you've made. Most of the time, people will just take random objects from their house and make a pretend testimonial for it just so they can show what they could do with a potential product. There are a lot of scams, a lot of brands or fake accounts claiming that they need UGC creators and they actually don't. And obviously it's a very, very competitive space to do well because, I mean, come on, it really does sound way too good to be true. Nowadays, everyone's trying to get in on it. And I find UGC very fascinating, so I might make a whole separate episode on it, but... Yeah, I mean, let me be honest here. I told you I am trying it myself. I started maybe like two, two and a half weeks ago. I made an account on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok because apparently you have to be on all those platforms. Otherwise, you might be missing out on opportunities. And let me tell you, it is a whole ass community. Like UGC, it's a legit thing. And people, like I said, make portfolios and they pitch to brands through Instagram DM or Twitter DM or email, and they even pitch to Airbnbs. And a lot of people actually manage to land deals with these Airbnbs in exchange for some authentic and aesthetic marketing videos. They will get a free stay at the Airbnb. It's absolutely wild. Like I had no idea these type of opportunities or this whole world of UGC existed until one day I got a promoted tweet on Twitter, actually on my podcast account because I'm not really a Twitter person, but I made one for this podcast and I got a promoted tweet from a UGC creator and I'm like, what's this? And I also started getting UGC videos on my TikTok And at first I ignored them, but then they just kept coming in and I'm like, okay, I need to find out what this is because I'm tired of seeing it everywhere. Then I learned more about it and I was like, hmm, okay. I don't know much about the whole content creation realm because I've never been a content creator in the sense of showing my face. 
it does feel kind of scary to think that if you're a UGC creator making a testimonial where your face is required, which it often is, there might be millions of people seeing that. And if you're sending the brand raw footage of your face, they can repurpose it, you know, they can do what they want with it. And there are ways to limit that. A lot of UGC creators will have contracts to deal with that whole aspect of usage rights and also legal liability. There was a case where Warner Music sued a brand for using a Dua Lipa song in their UGC ad that they didn't have the rights to. So if the UGC creator who made that video and sold it to the brand does not have a strong contract protecting them from liability, the brand can go ahead and say that the creator needs to take on some of those damages. And by the way, I think they were suing for $24 million. So, you know, everything comes with its risks. But I think with this whole narrative that I've been seeing where it's like, if you're not on social media trying to make money right now, you need to begin. Like, I see that all the time. I see reels saying, look at me. I'm getting paid to travel and I'm making double my income from my nine to five and I work from home and I'm living my dream. First of all, that's incredible for people who have achieved that, but it also sometimes makes me feel like, damn, should I be trying to go viral right now? Maybe it's true, right? Like, am I really missing out on something right now because I'm not putting myself out there on the internet and trying to become a content creator as a side hustle? Even though I've always been more of a private person, funny I say that because I know I have this podcast where I get a little personal sometimes, but it feels like a very different type of content creation from the other stuff. And the idea of becoming a public figure is just a little daunting to me. I definitely don't think that every person is meant for that lifestyle, yet I think today there's a lot of pressure for everyone to go into that. I don't want to say that content creation is like super grueling work because obviously in the real world, for lack of better words, there are many more jobs that are much more grueling and actually hard. But I will say there is a unique aspect with content creation that I'm now a little familiar with since I've started my whole UGC experiment, which is, you know, it can be taxing on you in a different way. For instance, like I said, you have to stay up to date with all the latest trends, which means you have to be on all social media platforms and spend your day or a portion of your day scrolling through TikTok and Reels and be constantly posting something new and innovative, sticking to that content schedule. For instance, my Instagram Reels page is just full of people being like, Use this trending audio to get more views and gain 10,000 followers in a week. Use this one. Do this trend. Use this template. Follow this posting schedule. Post three to five reels a week and twice on your story every day and uh, an image or carousel post because Instagram is starting to push those out more on their algorithm. Their algorithm. It's all about the algorithm. It's honestly so exhausting even looking at all that content. It feels like sensory overload and just overstimulation. 
on one hand, it's like it's never been easier to go viral, but it's also like it's never been more annoying. And as I've been trying out this UGC thing for myself, I find myself going on my phone first thing in the morning for like 30 minutes, refreshing my Twitter, then TikTok, then email, then Instagram. Then I have to post something at least every other day. And it honestly feels so ridiculous sometimes because in the name of transparency, I have not made a single penny from UGC yet. Granted, I haven't really reached out to many brands and have kind of just been on the sidelines observing and it's only been a few weeks. But yeah, I mean, the only real thing I have gotten from this endeavor so far is extreme social media fatigue and terrible sleep. It's hard because technically some of those side effects are my own doing or they feel like they're my own fault. You know, I have the choice, right, not to wake up and refresh my notifications first thing, yet I can't help myself from doing that. And I feel like that's not my fault because we know how social media is designed. It's probably also because I have a lot of free time, but I kid you not, I feel so much more heightened anxiety. Not sure if anxiety is the right word, but like a constant compulsion to check my social media notifications to see if my UGC TikTok or my reel did well, to see if I got any comments or followers. And when I do get any sort of engagement, there's that dopamine rush of, oh my gosh, someone liked it. You know, they were probably just like scrolling and double tapping on everything in their feed, but it's like, someone liked my video. And it's like, I'll have one video that does kind of well, and that will motivate me to keep on posting because I feel like every time I'm in a place where I'm like, gosh, nothing is taking off, like maybe I should just quit. That's the moment when a video of mine performs slightly better relative to my other videos. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my sign. Like I should keep going. And I firmly believe that these apps like TikTok and Instagram, they are engineering that and they're doing that on purpose to keep you on the app. One of my favorite descriptions of social media and how addicting it is comes from a former Google product manager and design ethicist named Tristan Harris. And he basically said, you know, as an insider at Google, someone who's working on these products, these social media platforms, our phones, they're designed like slot machines. We refresh our notifications and we want to see what we got. Oftentimes it's nothing or it's something boring, but sometimes we get a surprise or a reward that keeps us going. Sometimes I check my Instagram notifications and, you know, recently I saw that one of the reels in my UGC account broke a thousand views, which probably doesn't sound like a lot, but to me it was a lot because keep in mind my other videos were getting like five views. To be honest, I don't think too much about the engagement on my podcast socials, and I'm not sure why that is. Maybe it's because I know the main content is right here, like in this episode. Whereas for my UGC accounts, it's like my entire brand and representation of myself is all on that account. So it means a lot more when I get a like or a follow. Anyways, our phones are like slot machines, and I always notice Twitter and TikTok will do this thing where 
even after you've already viewed a notification, it will sometimes re-notify you to think that you got it again. For instance, I'll go on TikTok and if I get two comments on a video, I'll be super excited when I see that notification of the two comments pop up for the first time. But then every time I log onto TikTok after that, I keep getting the same notification of those two comments. And at first I'm excited, but then I realize that it's not a new notification. It's actually the same one from before. They just haven't cleared it out yet. Does that make sense? Like I've been experiencing this for the past week or so ever since getting two comments on a video. And I'm like, it's the same notification. You know, y'all can clear it up now. Like I don't need to see it that many times. Also, you know, people have figured out nowadays because there is this algorithm and the algorithm has so much to do with your success that the best strategy is to go along with what we believe the algorithm likes. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, it's simply just maximizing your chances of doing well because let's face it, if the algorithm likes you, if it pushes your content, that can have really positive implications for you. That could be your big break into becoming a real content creator. But I think the largest consequence to that dependency on the algorithm and that reverence for the algorithm is that content is much more homogeneous now. Like it all looks the same. That means that being unique is even more of a risk now because the expectation is you should be following what the algorithm has proven it likes That means using this song or this video format or having these keywords in your caption and these hashtags posting at this time, making sure you have content variation, but also follow a specific niche. Like I sort of appreciate how you can break down going viral into these scientific steps, but it also just takes the fun out of everything in my opinion i think a lot of people are just going with the flow of the trends and not thinking about what type of content they want to create because it's much easier to look at the trends and then stick a template on a few video clips and especially if it is working for you right like obviously you're going to continue doing whatever is working for you and driving your engagement But I can't help but wonder what that does to our creativity. I just really miss the creativity and openness that I used to see on YouTube and Instagram before it had reels. And now it just doesn't feel like that. Everything feels like optimization and very carefully planned. I can't look at a post without noticing which trend the creator is leaning into and You know, once again, this is no judgment. I absolutely get it. And I would do the same exact thing because if you want views and you want to reach an audience, you're going to do what's proven to work best for people in similar situations to yours. You're going to look at what performs well on the platform you want to go viral on and you are going to mimic that. It's a smart and strategic thing to do. I think there are also plenty of people who do genuinely want to be more unique and express more of their own personality, but also understand what needs to be done to maximize their chances of going viral. So while I don't blame any individual creators for this, I 
really dislike the overall culture that has developed on social media. I think a lot of all of this culture began with TikTok rising in popularity and popularizing short-form content and making TikTok trends a really big thing. So then Instagram was like, okay, we need to get with the game and introduce Instagram Reels. And YouTube was like, say less, let's have YouTube shorts. So now Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube even, nowadays feel like almost the same platform for me. And I think it's also because the algorithm will continue to push me the type of content I'm engaging with. And right now, as I'm learning more about different social media niches, I am really engaging with all these micro-influencers who are posting those marketing tips about how to go viral because it genuinely does interest me, you know, what's going on in, in that space. And like I mentioned, I feel a lot of pressure to try it out for myself. Does anyone else feel like that? Like everyone needs to have a side hustle nowadays and everyone needs to try their hand at content creation because it's the future, which I agree, it is the future. I just have such mixed feelings towards all of that because I love creating things and I think it's amazing nowadays anyone can have their work noticed and appreciated by millions of people, but I also feel like the direction we're headed in is everyone is confined in a box. Like you can be creative and show your personality, but do it within these limits and make sure you're still checking off these requirements from the viral checklist. And also, of course, you have to wonder, like, what is this doing to our brains, our attention span? Nowadays, I can't find myself engaging with a longer video. It's all about the short videos with the attention-grabbing hook and the problem statement and then the call to action or something that follows a trend I'm already familiar with. Then I'll keep watching because I sort of know what to expect. But I used to be able to watch these really long YouTube videos I'm talking up to like 45 minutes without ever skipping anything or or feeling restless the way I would now. And I just don't have that attention span anymore. Maybe nowadays videos are truly meant to be little bite-sized things. And it's just interesting to me. Influencer culture has definitely changed the style of content on social media. Hopefully not for good. You know, I think things always evolve and change, so I don't think that this is going to be permanent, but maybe parts of it will, especially the short-form aspect. I just feel like when going viral is no longer something very lucky that happens to you and it's a complete accident and it's more like something accessible and easy and programmable that will result in a lot more people joining content creation for the wrong reasons inevitably that's going to dilute and distract from the people who are really passionate about it i really have a lot more to say about this so i might make another episode another time to continue but I hope you all enjoyed listening and related to some of the things I talked about. I would love to know if other people feel that same type of pressure to be on social media and go viral and make money. Maybe it's just my explore page, but I'm not sure. There's definitely a cultural shift going on. 
and part of me really wants to get involved in it and ride that wave and the other part of me is like I'm not sure if that's actually what I want I'm not sure if I should just do it because of the chance of making money so if you enjoyed this or have your own thoughts don't hesitate to tweet me at underthinkerpod or check me out on Instagram and TikTok at that same handle because y'all know I'm on social media so I will see it. I just mentioned this but I have a TikTok right for my podcast and also for my UGC and I fail miserably at going viral but I just want to emphasize that even though I might criticize or have these opinions about content creation, I'm still very much trying to go viral myself and if or when I do, watch me be like, oop, did I say that social media trends are unoriginal and make me nervous? But I never said that. What? I don't remember that. Sorry, I can't hear you over the $5 million I just made in my UGC brand deal with Dunkin' Donuts. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, I it's a complicated thing for me. I just have conflicting thoughts. And yeah, anyways, here's to the good and the bad of social media. If anyone out here is a content creator, whether or not you're participating in those trends, I'm cheering for you and I hope you go viral soon. As always, thank you so much for listening and I will see you all next week. Bye now.